Good morning. First reading this morning is taken from Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 3, 3 to 9, and can be found on page 791 and 792 of the Pew Bibles that you have with you. The Lord appeared to us in the past, saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again, and you will be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. Again you will take up your tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful. Again you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, Come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. This is what the Lord says. Sing with joy for Jacob. Shout for the foremost of the nations. Make your praises heard and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. See, I will bring them from the, Lord, the land of the north and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them will be the blind and the lame, expectant mothers and women in labour. A great throng will return. They will come with weeping. They will pray as I bring them back. I will lead them beside streams of water on a level path where they will not stumble, because I am Israel's father, and Ephraim is my firstborn son. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is taken from John chapter 3 on page 1065 of the Church Bibles, reading from verses 1 to 21. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you do not understand these things. I tell you the truth, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, 
the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. This is the word of the Lord. So if I could welcome Wes. Let's just pray for him now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing Wes to us this morning and for the word that you've given him for us. We ask now that you would anoint him by your spirit to speak that word to us. Speak through into our hearts and lives and do all everything that you want to do in us through him this morning. Lord, touch each person here through your loving grace and your amazing power. For your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Um, it's been encouraging, hasn't it, that uh, today is the end of uh, the year. Um, I'm just getting new into an Anglican thing, so I'm really, uh, you know, that, that's quite a nice thing to have, just that little idea that uh, the new year begins now. It saves all the trouble, doesn't it, in January to try. But there are times when life changes. I remember I was invited to a meeting. It was stressed uh, upon me that it would be a significant time for me and that I ought not to be late. And I did. I, I went to this meeting. I, for some reason, I ended up sitting at the front. Um, and every word that the minister was speaking seemed as if it was addressed to me. Have you ever had those sort of moments? You just know it's almost if he, as if he knows everything about my life in that moment. And, and, and as the service goes through, the hymns, um, the prayers, it's almost as if it has just been designed to get me. And he he's preaches, and, and it's, I mean, he couldn't have done it if he had just looked at me all the time. And I just felt this sense that something was happening in my life. And then he gave uh, well, uh, an invitation, and I, I found myself standing at the front, as you do at these meetings, looking at this man. And I, I knew that from that moment on, my life would never be the same again. And he looked at me and said, do you take this woman to be? And you know, there are times when you sense that something has happened and you have been drawn in to it. Sometimes you feel as if you've been set up and other times you did it willingly, which is why I love 
Nicodemus. I mean, when you get to heaven, or heaven comes to you, depending on which theology you have on how that sort of works out, but aren't there people that you want to go and have a look at? I mean, I want to find the woman at the well. I just want to say, how? You know. I want to find the woman who, the Syrophoenician woman who Jesus has the conversation about the dogs thing to. I said, what do you think? Because Jesus is not pushing her away. He's drawing her in. And those moments when you think, and Nicodemus, he's one of them. I love this man. I have great sympathy for him. I really do. I understand him, I think. And I think he would understand me as well. Because, I don't know about you, but I found myself in the same place that he is in. Desperately trying to do the right thing. The God working very hard at it. I was with a church, an Anglican church yesterday with their leadership team uh, talking about uh, leadership. And I said, have you noticed how Sunday is a day of rest? Yes, it had the same impact upon them. You know, we, we end up with just trying to do the right thing. But actually, have you ever had those moments when you feel further from it with every step that you take towards it? You see... My name is Wes, and I am a recovering Pharisee. In fact, if you've been in institution religion maybe two to five years, there's probably a little bit of a Pharisee in you already. No, there isn't. And, of course, the truth is that here is Nicodemus. He is caught with something. Certainly, some of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the the religious party politics, some of them were charlatans, absolutely. Some of them were deceivers, some of them were um, maneuverers, were sharks, were the people who tried to get other people to do things they could not possibly attain. Certainly, some of them were. I mean, Jesus is unreserved in his criticism and his dealing with them. I doubt you've ever come to a Sunday service and had somebody say, you whitewashed tomb. I mean, we don't do that in the Anglican church. We're nicer with it. Except here is Nicodemus, and there is no rebuke. There is no judgment. There is no criticism. There is no scathing words. Jesus deals with this man differently. I love the fact that it is John who records this story, not in any of the other gospel narratives. I've wondered how it was that he came to know. Maybe Jesus himself told him, not just for prayer. Do you you ever have those things where people tell you things? One of the Pharisees came to see me this uh, week just for prayer. Don't mention it to anybody else. Maybe Jesus mentioned it, it to him just that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. Uh, My wife received a birthday card from uh, a friend, and uh, it was a lovely picture of Jesus embracing somebody, and at the top of the card it says, Jesus loves you. And at the bottom it says, but I'm still his favorite. And and here is John, the disciple that uh, Jesus loved, and maybe that's why he, he, he knew. Jesus told him. 
Maybe John was allowed just to sit there and observe this conversation taking place just in the corner. Maybe because John was known in the court, maybe he was known to Nicodemus. And so it was okay for him to be part of this conversation. Perhaps because John is called the Apostle of Love. That's maybe how he picked up how Jesus felt about this man. This seeking, confused, humble, desperate man at the end of himself. This secret disciple. I love the fact that he comes to Jesus at night and just over 2,000 years ago, we're talking about it in public. You know, you want to say to Nicodemus, when I see Nicodemus, to say, by the way, that strategy didn't work for you. Just in case you were wondering, you got found out. There is for him risk in this. In fact, in being a disciple of Jesus, there is always some risk. Uh, my life changed when uh, a man who is my spiritual dad, um, he was the first person who, he, instead of telling me what I should do, I grew up in a church where we were told as young people, don't spit, smoke, swear, or chew, or kiss girls. Now, actually, I managed four of those. I married the other one. But, you know, the, uh, the list of things that you should do. My life changed when Paul, my spiritual dad, he was the first person who didn't tell me what I should do. He was the first person who told me what I could be. And he said, Wes, you know, if you, if you take seriously following Jesus, you get to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and preach the gospel. That's what it says in the Bible. So I said, sorry? Because I thought he was going to say, if you, begin, if you give your life to Jesus, you can spend time in church. You can pray and read the Bible, and you can do it a lot, which is good. But he didn't. He said, actually, you become a disciple of Jesus. You get to heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and preach the gospel. Do you know, in the light of that, sin suddenly looked really stupid. Yeah, I said, I mean, I, I get to be able to do those things following Jesus. And he said, yeah, that was the plan. And then sin looked so dumb. But the beauty of it is, here is this man, and he is prepared to take this risk. Because later he will defend Jesus in court. He will say, do we actually condemn somebody before we've heard what they've got to say? But that isn't the biggest thing, the biggest impact for him. Come Good Friday, he will go and he will, with Joseph of Arimathea, he will take the body of Jesus from the cross to the tomb. Just think about it for a moment. He is a fastidious religious Pharisee to take the body of Jesus from the cross to the tomb, he technically became unclean, and so he could not go and celebrate the Passover until the following month. That's according to the law. 
So to hold the body of God in his hands, he becomes unclean, according to the law. And he cannot go to the temple and celebrate the Passover. Can you imagine the other guy saying, anybody seen Nicodemus? Uh, you know, there was a seat with his name on it. Where, where, where is he? Um, uh, had a cold, mm, summer, you know. Can you imagine him having to explain what happened to him? Let alone to be in the presence of this rabbi, but to be involved with his life and death. So I like this man. I like the fact that he takes Jesus neat without any ice. Because there is something about Jesus that Nicodemus cannot put his finger on. It has got him. And when he comes, he says to Jesus, look, we know that God is with you. We know that you, where you've come from. Nobody could do this thing unless God was with you. We know it. We can feel it. Nicodemus is saying, I can feel it. And it's the thing that I want. But all my years of study and of being religious and of doing the right thing at the right time in the right place, it's never given me this thing, this thing that I feel when I'm with you. And when I was a, a, a much younger, and maybe your mother did it to you, but do you remember falling out with your friends? Do you remember that? Do you remember going home and, and, and in the, my mother looked at me and she said, if you can't play nicely, keep away from one another. Do you, anybody else ever have that? No, you were all really good. Okay, you have a great church here. I, I doubt that they've even sinned. But um, the question really is, if the Pharisees, if, if they, Jesus really irritated them, why are they hanging around with him? Why not just go off and get a life? Why not go do something else? Shall I tell you why? Because even if it caused you a little bit of pain, you felt alive when you were with Jesus. You couldn't miss it. As he carried this life of the kingdom, this life of heaven about him, you felt it. And Nicodemus says, that is what I've been looking for all of my life. This Thing where God is present, we feel it. And then he starts this dialogue. He says, you know, we know that God is with you, and Jesus answers the question of his heart, not the question of his mouth. Because he simply says to him, Nicodemus, you can have this, but... You have to be born again. Actually, you could equally and accurately say you must be born from above. So actually, you could say I'm a born from above Christian as opposed to a born again Christian. Both things are absolutely true. And Jesus points Nicodemus to something that in all his observance of religious ritual, he has, it has never dawned on him. That God cannot be reached by working hard and trying to improve that God is reached by the desperate and the humble and the empty who are saying, God, please help me. 
And so here is Nicodemus with his questions. Jesus says to him, eventually, Nicodemus, you've got you've to start again. You can't work your way through this to a better place. You've got to come to a new beginning. It's like being born again. Now, Nicodemus, he is a serious theologian. And so he's worked out that, okay, the way it happened last time uh, involved my mother. I mean, anybody, my, when I was younger, I used to come in and leave the door open, and my mum used to say, were you born in a barn? Anybody else have that? Yeah. Um, I, I, it really interested me as a question, because uh, my mother is asking me, was I born in a barn? And I'm just saying, but you were there. I mean, if anybody's going to know, it's going to be you. I mean, I didn't choose the moment I was born, so it must have been your choice if I was born in a, a barn. Mind you, uh, parents, we ask our kids very funny questions. How about where did you lose it? Have you ever thought, I mean, is that a great question? What would you have done to your child if they said, if I knew where I'd lost it, it wouldn't have been lost? You would ground them for a week, wouldn't you? Go to your room and tidy something. So here is Nicodemus in these uh, moments, desperately looking for the very thing, the thing that makes life sing and resonant. And he sees it in this Jewish rabbi. He feels it. He hears it in his voice. He sees it as he touches lepers, and, he, and people get cleansed and healed and whole. And it's got him. He can't get away from it. Jesus leads Nicodemus to a simple conclusion. He says, Nicodemus, to get this, to see the kingdom of heaven, to enter the kingdom of heaven, to have the kingdom of heaven enter you. You have to be born of water and the Spirit. Now, Nicodemus would have known the baptism of John. It was an evident thing. The interesting thing about it was that it was a place that Jesus had, had been himself as, as he lays down his flesh, having laid down his majesty. He lays down the flesh as he begins to minister. But the interesting thing about it is this. It was public. I mean, you didn't, Nicodemus isn't going to go at night to John and say, can we find a little bit of river? You know, is the bath full? What happens is Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, you have to leave behind the old thing. And actually, by the way, you're going to need to do that publicly because of who you are, apart from anything else. Theologians debate whether this Jesus intends to start um, an evangelical movement with this text or whether he's actually simply having a conversation with one man. But I'll leave that to you. The interesting thing about it is that Nicodemus, having been challenged and got this thing inside him, and as Jesus says, you want this life? You want this life to enter you? You want to enter into it? Nicodemus, let go of the other stuff. Just let it go. Give it up. Give up trying to impress God. Give up trying to earn God's approval. Give up trying to impress the church. You have to learn a different way of living. And then he talks about being born of the Spirit, born from above. Not just a letting go of something, but a receiving of something that is so fundamentally different. 
I grew up in a, a Baptist church. I know you won't hold that against me. Um, but I, actually, I didn't actually grow up in church. I grew up at home with my mum and dad, but we seemed to spend a lot of time at church. And um, we believed in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible, the Trinity. We read the name of the Holy Spirit, but we never saw him do anything. He really wasn't allowed. I, I don't think he'd been invited. But then I met people who, for whom Jesus was not just an idea. He was a reality. He was present. And like Nicodemus, I sat there and thought, how did that happen? How did God get on the inside of somebody's life? Not just as a Sunday thing, not just as a Billy Graham meeting thing, but as a daily thing by which life takes on a different shape. And for Nicodemus, there is clearly a life change. His public support of Jesus, his involvement in the, the, the crucifixion moment and taking the body down and the fact that we know this now, his career was over. Let's face it, he wasn't going to be invited to pharisaical parties anymore. They won't be queuing up to go on holiday with Nicodemus and his wife. He nailed his colors to a new piece of wood. And he said, that is what I'm going to live for. Um, it interested me just a little earlier. I have a quirky mind, as you can probably um, work out. And we just sang... Um, uh, a song. Forgive me for just changing it up. Um, it says, we sang, um, I'm giving up everything I believe in. Do you remember singing those words? Giving up everything I believe in. The whole now, I have turned it round a bit. I understand that. Please don't give up everything that you believe in. Otherwise, Mike's going to be really unhappy with me. But you know, sometimes for here, Nicodemus, he's having to give up everything he's based his life on to get something of the kingdom. So my question came to me as a continual recovering Pharisee. Have I made Jesus into a system, a set of rules, and, and God gave Israel the rules so that they would lead them to him? not that so they would become a substitute for him. And today, um, as part of um, my own life journey, I daily ask that same question. Lord, have I replaced you with just the way of doing Christianity? Or am I as hungry like Nicodemus was? to say, I want that. I want the reality of your presence. I want the reality of hearing your voice and having your hand upon my life so that at some point in my day, God can interrupt me and say, could you just do that for me? That my discipleship becomes not about meetings, but it becomes about the life that I live. And so, as I uh, close, I think it's a, a wonderful opportunity on a day like this, as the year ends, as the old thing finishes, 
to come like Nicodemus and say, Jesus, how do I get that? How do I live that life? And so I'm going to simply uh, pray. Um, I think somebody comes with a guitar eventually, but that might happen or not. There you go. I'd like to simply uh, pray for us. And in the gospel reading that was read is that very famous um, verse, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's interesting that along with the Revelation verse, behold, I stand at the door and knock, we often use those for people who don't believe, except both of those verses were addressed to people who did believe. So perhaps today God is standing at your door and saying, would you like to live a different life? Having worked hard and served, maybe the rules now have become more important than the person that it led us to. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to, uh, as we close, just to read that verse inclusively. Um, When I say now, would you please just say your name out loud, about that out loud, if that's okay. Is that right? Okay. Now. Okay. As I read this verse, I will say now, would you please put your own name in it? For God so loved now, That if now would believe in him, now would not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn now, but to save now through him. We put ourselves in the text. For God so loved Wes that if Wes would believe in him, Wes would not perish, but Wes would have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn Wes, but that Wes might have life through him. Father, we thank you this morning that the offer of life, Lord, is not a call that we might work hard at being something we cannot attain, but that we might receive the gift that comes from God, the Spirit of Christ within us, making life like the kingdom we seek to enter. And so, Father, here we are, today in this place, we simply ask for that gift afresh in our hearts and our lives. Lord, some of us are weary. Some of us have thought about giving up. God, we ask today for that gift of your presence afresh. Lord, in our hearts, in our lives, Lord, I welcome you, Lord, on the chair that I sit now. Lord, come here, near to me now. Come fill me now, please. Holy Spirit, here I am like Nicodemus, saying, God, I want the life that I see in Jesus. 
Pour it out in me now. And I ask it in his name. Amen. have a sense of God touching hearts and lives now. Just uh, sit in this moment as uh, Andy leads us in a little worship. If God is speaking to you and wanting to move you forward from the past, to leave behind and to take on something new, and you want to pray with somebody else, then please do come to the corner over behind you to the left and someone would love to pray with you after the service. But let's go on worshipping Jesus, letting him speak to us now of his life and his love, his beauty and his glory. For God so loved us that he gave his only son, that if we believe in him, we will not perish, but have eternal life. Grace. 